The pressure to be more sustainable saw companies announcing ambitious goals with target dates that are now frighteningly near. That's left more than a few scrambling to revise their strategies and find ways to green up that make an impact but are more achievable. The question is, how do we do this? I'm Jane Singer and thank you for joining me here on A Seat at the Table, where we sit down with leading entrepreneurs, innovators, and thought leaders to gain a deeper understanding of key topics impacting our business world. Today we're joined by Christopher Caldwell, a former investment banker and corporate lawyer and founder of United Renewables, a renewable energy developer and clean tech investor. He's leveraged his business experience to help companies sort out the overwhelming amount of noise around sustainability and find solutions that are practical and actionable. In this episode, Chris will be discussing the right way for companies to get started or get smarter about sustainability, how companies can ethically drive business valuation through ESG initiatives, and some of the myths and misunderstandings around implementing sustainable solutions. Part of being sustainable is having top talent on your teams. However, finding the right people is increasingly challenging. Beyond a greater commitment to sustainability, companies must now also meet new criteria for diversity and equality. To help them recruit the right people, many leading companies turn to AsianNet consultants. Their extensive network, developed over several decades, gives them access to talent that others might overlook. You can find out more about them at their website at asianetconsultants.com. I'll also leave a link in the show notes for this episode. Meanwhile, let's sit down with Chris and find out how we can better tackle our sustainability goals. Chris, thank you so much for joining us here on A Seat at the Table. I'm really interested in what you have to say around sustainability. It's a big topic. There is a lot of confusion, a lot of talk. And as you know, a lot of the talk isn't necessarily as accurate as it could be. So I'm very happy that you've been able to join us here today. Thank you so much, Jane. It's a real honor to be to be on your podcast. I'm absolutely delighted to spend some time with you. Thank you so much. I think that a lot of companies, particularly people who are listening to this show, who tend to be people who are in C-suite or more senior leadership positions, they feel the pressure to be more sustainable, to bring sustainability through into their organizations. But finding a way to do it so that they're actually able to move the needle forward is not that easy to do. So I think mm. it's it would be interesting to hear from your point of view, as someone with your level of expertise and your level of commitment, what do you think, just starting off, how can a company get started with sustainability the right way so that they're able to at least make some progress, they're not greenwashing? What are you seeing from where you sit? Okay, perfect. Well, the first off, the first question that needs to be asked on any sustainability journey is, well, why are you doing it? You know, what is your what is your real purpose? What's your uh, what makes you special? If you as a business just disappeared in the morning, would you just be replaced and and no one would notice? Or is there something in there that made, that really makes you stand out? That really kind of brings value. If you can do that and figure out what your what your own kind of your own pur- purpose is, then you can start to be thinking, articulating it. You start to be thinking about how you can be making that making that flow down throughout the various parts of parts of parts of your system. One of the ways that that I that's most common that I do quite like to like to talk about is kind of purpose driven ESG. And ESG is being used as a kind of as a byword for sustainability. And all that ESG is really it's a series of things to look out for. 
It's environmental, it's societal, which also includes environmental, it's going to stand for itself. Societal is also, it also goes for your your employees, your customers, people down your supply chain, human rights, all of of that type of stuff. And governance, governance being the last part of it, being like how you run yourself as a business, like what your accountability practices are. So if you can have a look and say, first off, off, ask the question of what's your purpose? Like how you can be, what difference you you make in the world? Um, And try and pull out what's your special sauce, why, why you exist exist because most most businesses you know, don't just start up talking right. about well we're here to make money most mm-hmm. pieces most businesses start with another goal then if you if you take the ESG as a first um as a first step um and so if you take your sorry your purpose as a first step um then go and talk to your employees and find out what excites them find out find out what get, gets them gets them out of bed in the morning because you want your employees to be bringing creativity to work uh you want your employees to bring, to bring collaboration to work you want employees to bring bring their best their best selves to work there's Slight aside, but there was a really interesting study that uh, McKinsey did at the end of last year, where they found out that 85% of people in the C-suite find their purpose from work. But 85% of people not in the C-suite do not find the purpose in work. Only 15% of them do. So, so, so the C-suites are kind of are, are stepping in, feeling like I'm I'm delivering on some sort of great great goal. But you got 50, you got only got 15% of the people who are not in the C-suite feel the same thing. So, how do you get people to bring to bring their best um, faces into work? If you're going to go into the details of, I know this is an enormously long, long answer, but if you're going to go into the details of how you actually, of how, how you actually do it, the first thing you need to do is then is go through your, uh, each of the ESG headings and define what your biggest vulnerabilities are. Figure out where you, where you're really, your real, real weakness are, where you're falling down. So if you are polluting, if you are using, um, like child labor in, in your supply chain, if you're doing something that is just so that is absolutely egregious, you need to solve that as a very first thing, very first step. After that, Find out again. Go back to your purpose and see well where, what your what your main kind of goal and mission is. And once you figured that figure that out, see well what are the one or two things you can really focus in on and really kind of double double down on and make that as a as a big kind of mission statement, a big a big passions a passions statement statement for you. Um, then after that, once you figure out what your you know defines your your strengths, where you can excel, then you need to work on embedding it. And embedding it, the biggest mistake that people do is they is they they come out and they talk about it as a marketing exercise, and they they start to start to talk big and make make big big promises without having figured out exactly what they want to do. So you need to define it. You need to need to figure out how to measure it. You need to discuss it and sell it internally. You figure out how to track it, and then you go out and you then you then start start to talk about it. But it's only well when you figure out the long term goals and then 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 what what the steps are along those paths. Then you can you you celebrate the little the little goals as you go along the little kind of short term victories as as you go along towards a big goal, but the biggest mistake the mistake people make is going out they talk they talk big with no kind of no kind of you know roadmap in behind it, and they they then they get get pulled up on it. Um, employees don't they don't think it's sincere. Um, regulators don't think it's sincere, and so even like you know the Financial Times have started to be tracking what people are saying. And matching that against what they're actually actually performing on, so it's you can't get away with greenwashing. And that was a, an enormously long answer, but it was an enormously large question. And I feel I've only just scratched the surface on all of those various uh, various headings. Anyway, so. well, I think you're right, Chris. There is a lot to unpack around sustainability, around ESG within organizations. And one thing that you brought up that I thought was particularly interesting, and that certainly has struck me is that, as you say, companies have made very big claims 
in terms of goals, in, in terms of what they hope to achieve with sustainability. Do you feel that maybe some of them have backed themselves into a bit of a corner that they've set goals that are are maybe going to be a bit difficult to achieve within the time frame that they have set out to achieve them? Yeah, undoubtedly, people have people have done that. Um, and but it's what really matters is the motivation behind. It. Like, mm. were they just standing up saying things because they thought um, that they should be saying them, um, and were essentially engaging in a, in a greenwashing exercise, right. or were they making big, ambitious goals mm. that, despite their best efforts, they just haven't managed to get to? And there's a big difference between those two. Uh, but it kind of goes goes back to the point I was making about how you how you go about these things, like how you go about trying to do it. You need to be to be thinking about what you want to achieve to pick your one or two big areas you want to be focusing in on. Look at where you want to be in five years and 10 years. Break it down like a step by step, like three months, six months, nine months, 12 months, where, where you want to be. Have your little have your little short term goals and be reporting on progress and the goals. People are going to be very patient with you and pay very understanding with you as long as as long as they see you're making some progress. But people will have no patience whatsoever. You stand up and say, "We're going to be, you know, decarbonizing in in, in ten years," and then they don't hear anything from from you and then from you for, uh, until then. It's it that just will not work. You need to have um, a series of short term targets, and you report back against them, and people can can believe in that. The most important people, the people that you're you're trying to to impact on these, are your employees. Right. Your employees. Are the people who are going to be going to be delivering um, your purposes? They're going to be delivering for you, and if they feel it's just greenwashing, well, you're going, to, you're going to be losing them as well. Like there'll be no sense of that purpose within the organisation, and purpose is what brings the best people to work um, on a daily basis. Yeah, I think those are really good points, and I think you're right. the The value of setting small, achievable goals so that you're moving forward in a way that where you actually are over time making progress as opposed to, as you're saying, setting very grandiose goals, not being able to achieve that, and then you've turned something that's a potential win into a failure is, is difficult. I think that's going to be harder for people to accept, as you're pointing out. Um, and they need to be treating them with um, sincerity. They need mm. to be treating them with putting the kind of the weight of the organization behind them and saying, yes, we want to be doing this um, and and having people uh, accountable. Um, you also you also need to have people kind of rewarded and like genuinely rewarded for taking these steps. Like you've got, um, you know, like got, got some of these. I think one uh, something that you're kind of you're, you're alluding to is how ambitious people people set targets and whether there's you know so targets need to be challenging enough so that they're they're difficult to get um, but not impossible right so it's like you know notable industries who set who set goals badly are like the oil and gas industry for instance like they do they've uh, it last year um, I it was high nineties I think it was ninety six ninety seven percent of all kind of, um, of quoted oil and gas companies ESG targets were met. The internal targets were met, and um, it, and executives were paid in accordance with them. It's like, well, we've got nothing to worry about it then. You know, oil and the oil and gas companies are sorting it out for us. It's fine. Like, of course, they're not sorting it out for us. Their targets are just too low. Um, and you know, they need to be. You know, you couldn't possibly have have like fundamentally, um, you know, businesses that exist for the purpose of polluting because that's what oil and gas, oil and gas companies do. Um, you know, fulfilling ninety six, ninety seven percent percent of environmental goals. You just can't. <laughs> So it just—it doesn't make any sense. So goals need to be that little bit more challenging. Um, I, but I don't think anybody within the within those organisations particularly believes uh, that. With some notable exceptions, 
uh, that there that there's an awful lot of you know great intents to be really decarbonizing. Maybe yeah, universal thing to say, but <laughs> no, it, it's a challenge. You're right because on the one hand, you need to set goals that are achievable, but on the other hand, you also need, as you say, to be challenging. And sometimes companies seem not to, you know, even with good intentions, don't seem to get that right. They have grandiose plans. But no one really thought about, could we actually achieve that? And so they fail. Or as you're pointing out, others just set the the target so low that you don't really have to do much other than show up to be able to meet those targets. So And take your paycheck. Yeah. yeah, So it's a challenge. And it's, I suppose, even more challenging for publicly listed companies that face a lot more scrutiny. They're definitely more on the uh, radar, shall we say, than other companies that perhaps don't have to reveal as much. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. Yeah. Now there's a lot, there's a lot of focus around ESG within companies, but how can companies drive business valuation through sustainability without greenwashing? I know you have spent a lot of time on this, so perhaps you could share your point of view on this. Okay, sure. Well, um, I personally believe that sustainability is core to the long-term value of a company. Um, I don't think that there's necessarily any great trade-off between uh, between long-term valuations and and sustainability. Um, in the short term, there's always going to be trade-offs. But if you have a look look at things in the long run, um, just taking it down to kind of fundamentals. The first point is that a company's value is the long-term. The long-term discounted is probably probably the wrong word. Um, it's the combination of all forward-looking cash flows discounted to the present day. So that's that. So if your company is going to be, if you've got a, a foresight that you believe your company is going to be around for ten years, um, and those are those are all the cash flow flows that you're going to get from them, then that's what your company's worth. If it's going to be around for fifty years, then you've got you've got you know a longer-term horizon. Um, if you have a look again, so going back to another study, kind of McKinsey study that came out again last year, 40% of businesses um, outperformed if they had um, a long to long-term perspective, on, on if, if they focus on the long-term. And that's pretty powerful. I don't think there's any great conflict between alignments and purpose and focusing on things that that will be keeping you in business for the next you know you know 10 20 20 30 years um and uh, valuation uh, happy employees happy regulators happy suppliers happy customers will generally lead you to lo- to long term growth um so i don't think there's any great trade off between purpose and profits i think that was your that was your that was your question yeah, I think that's a really interesting point. And I think that what you're saying, if and you know, correct me if I'm misunderstanding, is that by focusing on ESG, or at least bringing it through into what you're doing in your business, you're able to, as you said, have happier suppliers, such um, more stable relationships with suppliers, more loyal, happier employees, all the kind of things that actually support a stable and healthy business, which mm. ultimately should translate into a uh, better valuation for sure and if if you're looking at like a lot of the esg uh, points will be will be points of risk and points of vulnerability right. like if, if you do have uh, if you are a heavily polluting company you're going to be pulled up on it if you are using child labor and your supply chain you're going to be pulled up on it eventually you're going to trip over these things if you have a look at them just purely as a risk measurement those are areas that uh, can jeopardize the long-term future of your business focus on them take them off the table 
But then if you if you kind of double down on them and say and say, we really believe you want to try and make a difference in these kind of couple of key areas that we're really good at, then that's that's kind of not only kind of brings it gets rid of the risk, but also brings a kind of a unifying kind of message to you, to your employees that your customers can understand. And there and there has been has been quite a lot of research that shows that customers are prepared to one trade out from uh, products that they don't believe believe in the underlying mass measures that measures the company but to pay a premium for products and services that's from businesses that are aligned with them so you can be also you be looking at your top line and your top line growth your profitability uh, growth as well as covering off again against risks that that could that could trip you up you put put the two of them together your business is going to be around for a lot longer than than people who are just just kind of blindly not looking at the at the risk profiles <clears throat> Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I think that it's not often that I hear someone frame it that way or make it that clear. Uh, we oftentimes think, as you said, that it's a trade-off, right? That if you are going to invest in ES ESG, then you're basically sacrificing or adding to your expenses. Um, and maybe some intangible benefits coming to you, but who knows? So I, I think it's interesting that you you bring it forward like that. And you know, it makes it a lot easier to understand the real value to a company in doing this. Now, what do you see as some of the myths or misunderstandings around companies becoming more sustainable? I mean, I think that a lot of people do look at it as an expense or, or as a hindrance to all the other aspects of their operations. And fair enough, it's a competitive environment. So costs and time and agility and everything else are something that everybody wrestles with. But what do you feel that people are sort of, I don't know, misunderstanding or, or things that you hear people saying that frustrate you? Yeah, I think it's back to that uh, point that we were just making about it just being an expense, it just being um, essentially a part of the marketing budget. Right. Um, it's something that you need to be going out and talking about, but and talking about it is enough. Because right. like fundamentally, like talking about it, it's, uh, you'll you'll be caught out. Like if mm. you if you you know in the you know pretty short term, you'll be caught out. There's some there's some really good businesses that have that have gone out and uh, found problems. Like like a, a really good example was what I say like you know, right. Nike Nike. Um, they for a lot of years were using child labor in, at the at the end of their supply chain. They realized that this was a major issue. They then completely and totally and totally about face to face on it, focused in and said, no, we were so looking through. Now, it wasn't them directly employing people. It was like it was down the supply chain. They rooted out all of that and brought it around. And they've now got you know imp impeccable standards and their manufacturing. And it really stands to them. If they hadn't have done that, that would have been an enormous scandal. There would have been an absolute normal. If it had, had been discovered without them, them going in, finding it, putting their hands up and saying, no, we've discovered this and we're changing around, it would have been, it would have been like it could, could have brought the company down and it didn't. You need to be, um, the ESG is, the, the sustainability matrix um, are so fundamental to your business, uh, your business's survival in the long run. They really need to be looked at. The the main point I really want to try and get across, get across today, that's it's, it's, fundamental to you know your existence business but it also can is fundamental for your customers um the way that's that's kind of gen z millennials are moving today they're becoming as as, as we all sadly get older <laughs> becoming increasing part, parts of the economy and what's uh what's you know, all the studies are saying saying that gen z's and millennials believe in and and want different things than people who are you know of older generations like myself and these things are more and more increasingly more important to them. Uh, so 
as employees, as customers, as consumers, as voters, um, this is the way the world's going. And we need to be kind of tracking on that path for, you know, for long-term growth and value. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. And, you know, it just, it leads me to one question. And that is that right now being sustainable sort of differentiates you from other companies, right? The companies have, you know, they're calling that, as you said, in part of their marketing. Um, at what point do you think it's going to become assumed, right, that you operate meeting these standards in the same way that other standards have come through in industries over the years, right? I mean, if you look back and, you know, we take the Wayback Machine all the way 100 years before, you had no regulations on anything, right? If you went to a, a pharmacist, you got drugs, who knows what was in it, who knows what the dosage was, right? You just said, well, hope it cures me, and if not, it'll kill me. Um, you didn't have pasteurized milk, right? There was no certification for any fresh foods. And now we just assume, right? We don't even think about it anymore. It would be unusual if you didn't meet those standards. Do you think that that ultimately will become the same for sustainability, that there'll be standards that everyone will adhere to and it will just be, I guess, government government standards, I suppose, which is the way it typically is? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. That's a, it's a very good point. And that is, that's the way the world is very much moving to. Um, we are, Europe, Europe, um, today actually just released a whole series of, of new, uh, new reporting standards for companies over pretty, pretty kind of, you know, small thresholds. Everybody needs reporting on a little bit more difficult in the US, um, yeah. because there's a little bit, uh, more, um, well, interesting conversations in the US than there has to be. But, uh, Europe, uh, Japan, uh, Canada, um, South Korea, like large part parts of the, the rest of the world, um, are they're all developing their own standards. Um, now whether we'll have a one overarching global standard, I think we're moving towards that. But again, possibly the U.S. might be the exception, as it is with with kind of um, with accounting standards. Like the re basically, the rest of the world has a unified accounting standard, and the U.S. has its own, and they're kind of similar. <laughs> but that's but that's why I do I agree with you. I think eventually, and and, and really quite quickly, uh, there will be a a kind of common core of standards with local differences at the bottom of them, because uh, like. Say okay, it's quite easy to be having a common standard on, say, carbon. I'm like, well, like you know, that 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 one molecule of carbon, that's easy. But how do you have a common standard on? Um, an easy example might be employee representation on boards. You know, because mm. that's something that that would be um, very unusual in the U.S., but absolutely commonplace in um, certain employee. Uh, that's actually entirely the wrong word. Um, um, but that would be something that is um, very usual in Germany. Like in, in Germany, you'll have essentially a union employee sitting on your main board. Well, you can never see that happening in the US, like as a, you know, as a fact, as something that, that, is, that is expected. Um, so you'll have a, a series of cores uh, that will be um, kind of generally, generally widely accepted. And then, then local variations and underneath that should be reporting on a, on a kind of case by case basis. So that's something that people need to be aware of and preparing for because it's coming. <laughs> right, right. So perhaps we would be looking towards national standards rather than global standards. Yes, yeah, probably. Well, we uh, yeah, there'll, there'll be a series of national standards um, uh, for sure, hundred percent. And then there'll be some countries, so like a group of group of countries, like the European Union, will right. all have 
one set one set of standards that goes to goes throughout the entire the European Union, and say they will there will be a lot in common with with the Japanese standards for as an example, but there will be local differences underneath which which people will be reporting back and forth. So it's just just as a function of global trade. Um, if you know a European company um, in uh, operating in Japan or Japanese company uh, operating in Europe will have you know, common reporting standards because by just to make it easier for both sides. Investors are demanding these things as well. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, I think it's really interesting to see how this is evolving from concept through to execution, so to speak, and on such a, a broad stage, right? A global stage, which is really encompassing almost every country, whether it be an emerging economy or a developed economy. It, it seems this is one of the few things that is actually rolling out worldwide. So it, it's it interesting to see. It is, it is. And it, and it's rolling out very, very quickly. I think uh, part part of it was um, uh, was was the pandemic, just people started to think slightly differently about about the world. Um, part of it was was just the climate crisis that right. people understand understand where we're, we're hitting a moment where we really need to be focusing in on on things other than kind of the narrow shareholder value um, because we're like we're facing existential threats to, to human existence on this planet. Um, but there's there's a lot of um, a lot of momentum behind it. Um, so certainly, for sitting in from a European point of view, there's an awful lot of momentum behind it, and it was was in. Um, um, was was with a meeting of people of, uh, of of kind of climate climate leaders in Barcelona um, last week, and it seems like kind of globally um, there's also quite a lot of um, uh, there's there's a lot of momentum. Yeah, so interesting. Well, Chris, thank you so much for sharing so many insights. Now I know you have your own podcast focusing mm-hmm. on sustainability. Where can we find that? Oh, thank you, thank you. That's no, very kind of you to mention it. Yeah, it's called Conversations on Climate. Um, the it's on and on all the usual platforms. It's um, you know, you, you, it's it, we're mainly YouTube. Um, you know, we've just done finished season one and got like one point two million views, which for wow. Me was just which is just amazing. Yeah, yeah. To start out with very low expectations, but it's just amazing. And uh, what we do is we have um, it's every every two weeks. Uh, two weeks we have an academic, leading academic, and then two weeks we have a leading a kind of business person. And we just just run it that way. And it's been uh, yeah, it's super su- super interesting, super interesting. Wow, fabulous. Well, I think that anybody who has any interest whatsoever in climate or in sustainability would need to check that out. I mean, it's accessible to everyone, so take advantage of it. And and where can people connect with you in case they want to be able to either ask a question or in any other way get in touch? Where can they find you? Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, so I'm on LinkedIn. Um, okay. Uh, would be great. Yeah, Christopher Caldwell, C-A-L-D-W-E-L-L. Um, but if you want to send me an email, that's fine too. My details again are on LinkedIn there, so it's, it's, no, it's no great, uh, no great surprise. <laughs> okay, well, perfect. I'm going to put all of those links in the show notes so that'll be easily accessible for anyone who cares to check that out. And okay. I'd I'd like to thank you so much for taking the time to be with us here on a seat at the table. I've learned a tremendous amount from you, so thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's been it's been a real pleasure. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you, Rosanne.